0: Great to come into God's house on a Wednesday night. Worship, be encouraged. Only one announcement for you tonight. Can you guys believe that? Just one. So we're having baptisms uh, this weekend, Saturday night and Sunday morning. And baptism is the public declaration that our life uh, belongs to Christ. Let me ask you this question. What are you for? Hopefully you're for Jesus. And getting baptized is that public declaration that you're for Jesus. You believe that he died for you, that he rose again. and Baptism doesn't save you, but it is that public declaration that your life belongs to Christ, that you're a disciple of Jesus. So if you've never been baptized and you'd like to be, please go to the church's website, sign up. We're going to do it right during the Saturday night service and Sunday morning at 9-11 during worship. So really looking forward uh, to baptisms. Tonight we're in Revelations chapter 10. Chapter nine verses twenty and twenty one and also put a finger in Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. Let's pray together. Father, these are desperate times that we're living in, and we don't have a an answer in and of ourselves, but we know that you're the answer. And we turn our hearts towards you. We need you. Our families need you. We as a church need you. And Jesus, we thank you for your mission, that you came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. We don't want to simply go through the motions of a relationship with you, go through the motions of a, of a Wednesday night. We pray that our, our lives would be touched by your spirit touched by your love, that we could know your love and share it with others. We also know there's a real enemy and pray that you would bind Satan and allow us to have ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Jesus name, amen. Tonight we're going to study a real contrast, a a very real contrast in the scripture from the mission statement of Jesus to the mission statement of, of Satan. Let's think of some contrasts that we see in life. How about day and night? It's a big contrast. Headed into daylight savings time, thumbs down, right? More darkness as we head into the winter, but there's a big contrast between day and night. Here's a contrast for you. The Broncos and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) So the Broncos, they just are on a losing streak even though they pulled out a victory on, on Sunday. I mean, we're talking years of losing streak. And pretty much Tom Brady goes and wins wherever he's at. Whether you like it or not, there's a contrast. How about this one? If you're a car person, if you're not, get out your phone to use Google. How about a Ford Pinto and a Chevy Camaro? Like, I I know you might not be into cars, but just Google a Ford Pinto. Like, what were they thinking when they made the Pinto? Like who's going to restore a Pinto? That's just something that should not be restored. Like, let it die. Did they name it after a bean, like a Pinto bean? <laughs> and then you have the Chevy Camaro, just classic American car. Well, Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That, that's his mission. That's what, what he does. But Jesus came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. As we have been studying Revelation 8 and 9 over the weekend, it has really been on my heart that we see Revelation chapter 9 as a manifestation of the enemy's mission. That Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So tonight we're going to look at that in Revelation chapter 9, also in Romans chapter 1, how Satan destroys our lives. But we're not going to stop there because there's hope in Jesus Christ, amen? And Jesus has an invitation for us to enter into abundant life where our souls can be nourished and our souls can be satisfied in him. So let's look at verse 11 and 12, then we'll jump to the end of the chapter. This is Revelation chapter nine. And they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abidon, but in Greek, the name is Apollyon. One woe is past, behold, two more woes are coming after these things. What's happened in the book of Revelation is there's the seven seals beginning God's wrath, beginning God's judgment. The seventh seal ushered in the seven trumpet judgments. Chapter 9, the six trumpet judgments. And then there's a pause again in chapter 10. As we're going through these trumpet judgments, the bottomless pit is opened up. The demonic realm has its way. We see extremely hard hearts towards the Lord. The sixth trumpet judgment, a third of the population is wiped out. Let's look at verse 18. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. So imagine that. A third of all of mankind is killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For in their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. Now here's the hard hearts. Here's the the mission of Satan resulting in people's lives. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. You'd think with God being such an affront to them, his judgment coming in such a powerful way, that this would produce repentance, that this would produce humility you may be able to say that repentance is the message of the Bible. It was the message of Jesus. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist preached repentance. The early church in the book of Acts taught repentance. Repentance is the gospel. Repentance is humility that I'm a sinner and I'm broken and I need a savior and I'm turning from my sin and believing that Jesus died for my sin and rose again. It sounds like such a heavy word, but it's a freeing word, isn't it? When we repent from our sin to trust Christ for salvation. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He's wanting to give grace. He's wanting to give salvation, but instead they refuse to repent and they hold on to the works of their hands. And what's in their hands? Well, the worship of demons. Hard to believe that people would be that into darkness, that into destruction, that they would worship demons, that they would worship Satan and worship the demonic realm. They hold on to their idolatry, idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. As we talked this weekend, amazing that they would want to hold on to their idols when everything's getting destroyed. I mean, what what good is your house during the great tribulation? Well, what good are you going to do with gold during the, the Great Tribulation? But yet they're still worshiping these material things. That's part of Satan's destruction. That's part of his path is for us to neglect spiritual truth and get focused on the material world. And they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries, of their sexual immorality, or of their thefts. Doesn't that just sound like the enemy? Doesn't that just sound like him wreaking havoc on people's lives where they don't want Jesus, but they want murder? They want sorcery, which the Greek word ties us to our English word, pharmacy, it's pharmakia in the Greek, drugs, sexual sin, and thefts. We talked about, as a church on Sunday, that we're living in a culture of murder. Murder. We talked about abortion, we we talked about euthanasia, we talked about suicide. I don't know if you caught the news over the weekend, but there was a a horrific murder and suicide on the north end of our city in Glen Eagle. A dad's 55 years old, and he chose to kill his wife and kill his two children. 13-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old son. And Glen Eagle, one of the nicest neighborhood's in Colorado Springs and there's a lot that's still coming out of of this story ABC News it's a national story I read an article today from ABC News that talked to one of the neighbors now granted this is one of the neighbors we we don't know but she was sharing a, a, about the the family that had two biological kids and then adopted six children from China and the two kids that were were killed were adopted children from from China Their youngest son was born a dwarf and so they adopted six children from china that also were were dwarfs and what happened in this family we don't know but somewhere i can tell you that the enemy got in and got a foothold didn't he because whenever there's murder and suicide that's the work of satan that's that's the work of the enemy like what gets to a, a person to that point of hopelessness where they say you know, I'm going to take my wife's life, I'm going to take my kids' life, and then I'm going to to take my, my own life. And Satan's tricky, isn't he? He's deceptive. He comes as the angel of light, and he'll lie to us and plant these ideas in our minds. If we're not careful, then all of a sudden we think that something like murder and suicide could be a good idea. You know, as the week goes on, there was two people killed in an apartment complex shooting on the east part of town. And you're living here in the springs, and if you're not careful, you don't even know these things are happening. Like, as I was looking in the news, the shooting over the weekend with the father killing his wife and two kids is buried in the news. Like, you actually have to look for it to be able to to, to find it. I'm just going, what in the world's going on, right? Well, the enemy's having a field day. So how do people's hearts get to a place where they could be this hard in Revelation chapter 9? That they would hold on to this type of wickedness and not repent? I think Romans chapter 1 unlocks it for us. So turn with me to Romans chapter 1. And let's look at verse 16 and then we'll go to the end of the chapter. Church, this is a really important section of scripture that we're going to go through it really contrasts for us the pathway to destruction and the pathway to abundant life. Because what leads to destruction, the opposite of that leads to abundant life. Let's begin in verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for who, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul gives us this glorious declaration of the gospel, that he's not ashamed of the gospel, that it's the righteousness of God, that we go from faith to faith, the just shall live by faith. The rest of the chapter shows us our need for the gospel. Why would we need Jesus to to die for our sins? So an important question here is, well, what's the gospel? And the Bible answers it for us, that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Thankfully, we have a savior. As we read through the end of Romans chapter one, we're going to see our sin. We're going to see our depravity. We're going to see the sin of others. And Jesus came to die for our sin, The gospel is not based on our worthiness. I hope you know that. At some point, if we twist the gospel to think, well, I have to be worthy to be able to believe in Jesus, you're going down the wrong path. The gospel is about Christ's worthiness. We have the sinfulness. He has the worthiness. And in fact, the gospel is a welcome it's it's not about our worthiness but it's about the grace of god where he's welcoming us into forgiveness he's welcoming us into everlasting life if we forget that the gospel's a, a welcome at some point we're going to wrestle am i really saved or not because we're basing it off of our worthiness and we're going to start to to lose the appetite or the desire to see people come into the family of god When we see broken people, do we see a gospel that welcomes them into salvation? When we see our own sinfulness, do we see the gospel that welcomes us into salvation? I'm so glad it's not based on my worthiness. I'm so thankful that it's based on the worthiness of Christ. I'd be in a world of hurt if it was based on my worthiness. So the need for the gospel is really laid out in these next few verses. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. This is what we're reading in Revelation, the wrath of God. Well, why does the wrath of God come upon people? Why does God eternally separate people to hell? Because they've suppressed the truth in ungodliness. This word suppress, it means to hold down they're they're holding down the truth all right sorry guys we're going to save all of these to the end bruce do you mind doing that for me he's given away all my my talking points (laughs) appreciate it bruce but i'm just going to teach through this fairly quickly and then at the end we're going to contrast the the two of these uh with with the the teaching slides but suppress the truth to, to hold down uh, the truth. What's so fascinating uh, about this is the truth is evident and you actually have to suppress it. You've actually got to hold it down. A lot of times uh, the world says that the truth's hard to find, but that's not biblical. As we're going to see that the truth is out front and center and we have to actually suppress it. You know, think of a raft that's got a, a leak or an inner tube or you're floating down the the river and and, and there's a leak. What do you have to do? You try to suppress that. There's this pressure that's coming out and you're like, well, maybe I can suppress it. Maybe I can put a patch over it. And and that's the truth. The truth is powerful and it's in our face. God loves us enough to communicate the truth, but we have to suppress the truth or or hold the, the truth down. This is the pathway to destruction, to hold down the truth because what we may know of god is manifest in them for he has shown it to them the word manifest means evident god has made it clear this is how god's made it clear for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse so so how did god reveal himself through creation to the point without excuse in fact he's revealed himself through creation even to the point of his invisible attributes and the godhead his eternal power is seen in creation so part of the satan's demise upon us as individuals and a culture is to be able to look at creation and not see god's glory that's suppressing the truth and we see that taking place all of the time. In verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So we see this holding down of truth. But then we see that they didn't glorify God as God. That that word glorify some Bible translations translate it as honor. The idea is to recognize to give God glory, to give him honor, to recognize. So, so they didn't glorify God as God. <coughs> they didn't attribute creation to the creator. The next thing is they're not thankful. Choosing to be unthankful. We wouldn't think that grumbling and complaining is that big of a deal. What does it really matter? It's just a little murmur, murmur 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 right A little grumble grumble okay we're coming into turkey day i'll try to find some things to be thankful for but this is part of the downward spiral of the soul suppress truth don't honor god don't be thankful if we go through our days with an ungrateful heart it's going to affect our minds and it's going to affect our hearts And this is part of this pathway of destruction. As we go through this message, I want you to think of the Ford Pinto as Satan's vehicle, all right? And the Chevy Camaro as Christ's vehicle, the abundant life. If you're ungrateful, you're in the Ford Pinto, okay? That's the road of life. It's it's a road of destruction. And God calls us to, to be thankful. We know that we're in his will When we're being thankful. It's a choice of the mind. It's a choice of obedience. I'm choosing to be thankful for who God is and what he has has provided in my life. Tonight, if you're in that place where you're going through a hard time, you might be fighting for thankfulness. Many times I'm there. Sometimes I win. Sometimes I lose. But it's so important to be thankful because notice what happens next. And they became futile in their thoughts. The word futile means incapable of youthful, usefulness. Sometimes I feel like my dog is futile, right? She's two years old. She's in Newfoundland. And oh, just sometimes I'm like, did I make a mistake in getting a, a family dog, right? And yeah, she's, she's capable of some, some usefulness, I think, Right? But our thoughts actually become futile. They're they're not capable of usefulness. Our thoughts go to a dark place and then our hearts are foolish and darkened. So how do hearts get to a place where they'll hold on to murder, they'll hold on to drugs, they'll hold on to sexual sin, they'll hold on to idols and thieves? Well, it's because they've gone down this road of of Romans chapter 1 and the heart is, is dark. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So now they're messing with the glory of God. And they're changing the glory of God, the incorruptible God, into an image like corruptible man. We want to take God's glory and put our imprint on it. And we worship ourselves And we also then worship creation, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And then this is God's response. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So God confirms their decision, saying, you don't want to glorify me. You don't want to recognize me. You don't want to be thankful. You want to change my glory. So I'm going to give you over to your uncleanness. I'm going to give you over to the condition of your hearts, who changed the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the Creator, ra- worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Exchange the truth of God for a lie. A lot of times I think that we think that we can have truths and lies, but somehow we can adopt both but when we believe a lie, we're actually exchanging the truth for a lie. I want us to highlight truth as we go through this. As we began, it was suppress the truth. Here it's exchanging the truth for, for a lie and worship. And they worship the creature rather than the creator. Now that I'm on the subject of the dogs, how many people love their dog more than they love Jesus? Ouch, that hurts, right? We treat dogs better than we treat people. We've gotten our whole priorities messed up. Well, this is going to be my last night of pastoring because I just offended all the dog people. (laughs) And kitty owners, yeah, man. And you can enjoy your dog and enjoy your cat, but what's happened as a culture is we're worshiping those things. We're, we're worshiping the trees, we're worshiping the stars, we're worshiping animals and instead of worshiping God. And so then our priorities are all messed up. In verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in the lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their heir, which was due. I don't mean this in a, in a judgmental way, but let's ask an honest question tonight, on this Wednesday night. Are we all mixed up with sexuality as a culture? Absolutely, right? And is God clear on sexuality? yeah he is that he created us male and female why are we in this place where we're so confused with sexuality because as a culture we're living out romans chapter one It, it really doesn't start with sexuality it starts with god and we've suppressed the truth we've exchanged the truth for a lie we 're not thankful we 've rejected that God is the Creator. You go long enough telling kids that god didn 't create you and you evolved from we don 't know what you evolved from, but you did evolve from from something. The natural conclusion is if I came from animals, why don 't I act like animals i can I can do whatever i want i don 't have to serve God, I get to serve myself, and I get to choose whatever I would like to be in my sexuality. God in Genesis didn't come to Adam and say, now you get to decide if you're a male or female. He created a male and he created Eve, female. God chooses our gender. We're born male, we're born female. So when we're wrestling with sexuality, we're we're wrestling with God. It's a result of suppressing the truth. And we go on in verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, notice that I don't want to retain God in the knowledge. God gave them over to debased minds to do the things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, all kinds of sexual sin, homosexuality, heterosexual sin, any kind of sexual expression that's outside of God's design, wickedness, covetousness longing for things that God hasn't provided maliciousness full of envy murder strife deceit evil mindedness there are whispers and what's so humbling about this section of scripture is it busts all of us it brings us all to the point where we need the gospel it brings us all to the point where we need a savior that Paul talked about in Romans 1, 16 and 17. I hope that you hear this tonight. This this is not something that leaves us hopeless. This is something that humbles us to where we see our need for God's grace. We've got to come to a place where we're spiritually bankrupt first before we can repent of our sins and receive his grace. The wrath of God comes upon gossips. How much gossip has destroyed someone's life that the wrath of God comes upon covetousness the wrath of God comes upon envy why did they kill Jesus because of envy that's why they killed Christ so we might rack and stack these sins and make sexual sin worse than whispering and covetousness but but God says look This is all unrighteousness that causes us to need a a Savior. How about backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, man, busted on that one, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only... Do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So if we're practicing these things, we deserve the judgment of God. Or if we approve of those who are practicing these things, we deserve the judgment of God. Read with me verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man. <laughs> whatever you are, Whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourselves. For you who judge, practice the same thing. So this is not looking out at a culture and saying, oh, you're so rotten and sinful. This is looking at our own hearts and going, man, I'm so rotten and I'm sinful. Now we're going to talk through these teaching points, okay? And we're going to contrast the pathway to destruction and the pathway to life. So if you're taking notes, the first way to the path road of destruction is hold down the truth, suppress the truth. God's truth is obvious. It's evident. Don't hold it down. And then don't honor God, number two. To this place of not recognizing God. There's a real simple way to honor God in the context of what we read, and that is to look at creation and go, man, God, you're awesome. I've got an awesome dad. It's been a beautiful, beautiful fall, hasn't it? Pike's Peak was beautiful today with the snow and yet the sunshine and God you're so good you, you have created all of these things it does something for our, our souls when we're reading the word honor God don't suppress the truth Lord this is the truth about who you are this is the truth about how you want me to live my life the third is be unthankful if we want to go down this path of destruction that's so so humbling is be unthankful get in that pattern Of being unthankful there's been many seasons in our house where we've had hamsters the thing with hamsters is their lifespans not too long and you don't know how old they are in the pet store so you could be getting an elderly hamster that dies two months later right but they get on that wheel they just are going and they're going and they're going and they're going and and what wheel are we on are we on that wheel of unthankfulness The fourth is change the glory of God. Change the glory of God into the image of men. Change the glory of God where we're worshiping creation over the creator. Number five, exchange the truth for a lie. How many people would try to adopt a mindset that there's no such thing as the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So don't trade in the the truth for, for a lie. But if we're going down this path of destruction, we exchange the truth for a lie. Lastly, worship creation over the creator. Be more into your dog than Jesus. You know? Be worried about saving the trees and not focused on, on Christ. You can focus on Christ and love your pets, but keep it in proper perspective. This whole earth is going to be burned up. This earth is, is not eternal, and it's putting the creator above creation. But this is that path to destruction. This is how the enemy gets us to a place where he steals and kills and destroys. Well, let's look at the path of life. What's the path of life? In contrast to this, embrace the truth, number one. When Jesus said, that he has life for us, what's the pathway? What's the guide? Well, embrace the truth. Where does that start tonight to embrace the truth? It's embracing the gospel. It's getting the message of Romans chapter one. I am a sinner. If we read honestly Romans one, we go, man, I'm deserving of the judgment of God, but Jesus took the punishment for me on the cross. If you're a believer, remain in the gospel. Embrace the gospel. Don't suppress the gospel. Don't pervert the gospel. Don't twist it to where it's about your worthiness. It's his worthiness, and it's a welcome that's given to us. As we're reading the word and the spirit of God lives inside of us, and and the word of God and the spirit is convicting us, embrace the truth. Don't don't suppress it. Don't don't try to hold it down. This pathway to life is, is honor God. Honor him. Give him praise and thanks for for his creation. Recognize him, recognize his glory in the world and all around us, in the body of Christ and in the blessings that he gives to us. And this leads to be thankful, be thankful. When you evaluate your days and you go, man, the days that I just feel alive, can you trace it back to being thankful? And the days that you just feel dead inside, you are filled with complaining i mean we can think about all the things we don't like about our families for those that are married their spouses their their kids you can find all the things that you don't like about your church right rocky mountain calvary you're like man how old are these blue chairs when when are they going to get some blue new blue chairs right or what do you mean you don't have room for my kids in in children's ministry you gotta have room what, there's no decaf coffee tonight? Don't they know if I have regular coffee, I'm not going to sleep? And, and they are trying to communicate that God loves me. You are not communicating that God loves me with no decaf coffee, right? I don't like that song. I don't like the pastor. You know, we, we can find all those things, right, in our families, in our church, in our friends, in, in our community. I, I can tell you a lot of things that I don't like about Colorado Springs if I'm not careful, or I can choose to be thankful and see, oh man, this is such an awesome attribute of my spouse. This is what some really cool that God's doing in in RMC. God, I'm so thankful that you're gracious. I'm so thankful that you've forgiven me of my sins. I'm so thankful for eternal life. To go to the pathway of life, it may be make it practical Get a journal and write down four or five things every day that you're thankful for. Start your day that way. Lord, Lord, I'm thankful. Go to bed at night. Lord, I'm I'm thankful. Be thankful. That that leads us to to life. Hold fast to the glory of God and his truth. Hold fast to it. Don't let it go. Truth is paramount. I'm going to hold fast to God's glory. I'm going to hold fast to his truth. Then we worship the creator over creation. We put God in his proper place and and we worship him. I think we should be enjoying creation more than those that don't know the Lord because we know that our father designed it. If we're hiking, if we're snowboarding, if we are enjoying a pet, man, Lord, you, you made all of this. I'm giving you glory for it. I'm keeping my eyes on the creator. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. So how do hearts get so hard that we see Revelations chapter 9? How do hearts get so hard where there's such violence and we live in a, in a culture of death? It's Romans chapter 1. But there's great hope Jesus is alive. He's alive from the grave. And we don't have to live in a culture of death. Agreed? We don't have to walk around in darkness. Jesus knows that this world is dark. And he said, I came to give you life. And to give you life more abundantly. And it's not based on our circumstances. It's based about the gospel. It's based about being the child of God. It's based about eternal life. The Holy Spirit being inside of us and saying, Okay, I'm I'm embracing who Jesus is, I'm embracing what He's done on the cross, His death and resurrection, and I'm choosing to walk in His ways, I'm choosing to, to follow Christ and begin to experience the abundant life of Christ. Now here's a hard question for us tonight. Would you say you're experiencing the abundant life of Christ? And some might be like, "No, I'm not. I I know I'm the child of God, but but honestly, I'm not. Well, why is that? Did Jesus second guess his offer? You know, is it like in and out? Maybe they are so busy they ran out of beef. God's like, sorry, you're the thousandth customer today. I don't have any abundant life for you. Here's my point." Is, is the problem on God's end or is it on mine end? Is that invitation true from Christ in John 10? Or is, am I missing it a little bit? When I start to look at Romans chapter 1 in my own life, am I on the pathway of destruction instead of the, the pathway to life? Or we might say, you know, I am experiencing the abundant life of Christ to some degree, but I'd like to experience it a lot, lot more. Jesus said abundant life, overflowing life. So I know I've got some of that going on in my life, but I'd like a lot more of that. Jesus, I want to drink of that living water. So again, practically, what does that look like? Hold fast to the truth, glorify God, be thankful, and begin to experience the life that he has given to us. I've got one more verse for us, and then we'll be done tonight. Turn with me to John Chapter Eight. John Chapter Eight, Verse Thirty One and Thirty Two. I'm in Luke, that's not going to work for me. John Eight, Thirty One. Then Jesus said to those who, Jews who believed in him, he's speaking to those who believe in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. That's to remain and dwell in the word of God. If you remain in God's word, if you believe it, if you receive it, you meditate upon it, make your life in the word of God, then you are my disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? It's a follower of Christ. Someone who's decided to believe in Christ, but also to follow Christ, to be mentored by Jesus, to have have your life molded by Jesus. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How does Jesus lead us to the abundant life? He leads us to truth. Church, do you realize the times that we're living in? We're seeing these things play out before our very eyes. You don't have to look very far to see darkness all around and to see darkness within. And one of the things that I believe that God is doing with the church is is causing us to not be so calloused, to not cause us to be so complacent to where we go, you know, I'm either living in darkness or I'm living in the light. And I got to choose here. I can't be in both places. I can't mix lies with the truth. And Jesus gives us grace and salvation. And He gives us an invitation where He says, Come follow me. Come follow me. And where does Jesus dwell? Does He dwell in murder? Does He dwell in suicide? Does He dwell in sexual sin? Does He dwell in drugs and the abuse of alcohol? Does he dwell in idolatry? Does does he dwell in ripping people off? That's not where he dwells. He dwells in fellowship with the Father. He dwells in every good thing. And so for us to say, you know what? I'm a follower of Christ. I'm for Christ. And this world doesn't have anything to offer me. I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to be calloused. I'm not going to flirt with darkness. Church, don't get as close to sexual sin as you can. It'll swallow us whole. Don't play around with pornography. It's time for God to call us out of that. Say, I got something better for you. Here we are playing around with sexual sin when we could be enjoying Christ and being used by Christ. Let's not settle for idols. Man, let's not live in the Ford Pinto. Come on. Let's get out of the darkness. Let's get into all that, that God has for us. If we were really to evaluate the priorities of our lives, man, is the house the priority? Sometimes money reveals what we love. And we go, man, I've spent more money on my house than anything else. And has the house mastered me? Has that wood become what I bow down to, right? Right? those material things. Are we living for the image of ourselves? Are we living for the image of God's glory? And what God is doing is he is burning up that middle ground amongst his people, amongst us, where we could kind of walk the fence in the past and live in the gray area. And Jesus in his love for us is saying, no, I want your heart. I died for you. I died for your sins. I for, forgave you of your sins. Now now don't continue down this path of destruction. Enter into the abundant life. Jesus gives us eternal life, and He also wants to give us abundant life. Abundant life. How does that abundant life play out? Know the truth and the truth will set you free always throughout human history, there's been the importance of being in the Word of God. It's true for our generation as well. Man, get into God's Word. Fight for it. Sometimes it's delight. Sometimes it's duty. Sometimes it's discipline. But the Word of God is powerful. The truth's going to set you free. When we read God's Word and we take it seriously, this is how God wants me to live my life? God, I don't have the power to do it. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to define sexuality for myself. I'm going to seek to live inside of your design. God, would you empower me? No, abortion, suicide, murder. No, that's not okay. God, you're the author of life. So no matter how hard it is, I'm going to press into that. And Lord, you want me loving people? You love people. You died for people. You welcomed me into your family. You want to use me to welcome others? So as we see a community that's dark, a community that's given more and more over to a culture of death, let's not be hopeless because Jesus wants to bring salvation. Jesus wants to bring hope. I don't know this family that went through this horrific murder and suicide, but there's six siblings that lost mom and dad, and two siblings. And Jesus wants to comfort them, and he wants to give them hope in a way that only he can. Jesus wants to come and bring his comfort and peace where there's been abortion, and heal wounded hearts. Jesus wants to intervene in people's lives that are thinking about abortion and bring him to the place of, of seeing life. Jesus wants to take people out of sexual sin, not because of condemnation, but because he's got an awesome plan for us. Know the truth, and the truth will, will set you free. I've got something good for you. And so for us tonight, to be humbled before the Lord, to trust the gospel maybe for the first time, to be saved and born again, For those of us that are believers, to embrace the gospel. The gospel is the forgiveness of sin and the power for sin to be broken. And say, I'm going for Jesus. I don't want to be complacent anymore. I don't want to be ambivalent anymore. I don't want to just go go through the motions. I need to be hot or cold. I'm either on this pathway of destruction or I'm on the pathway to abundant life would you pray with me? Jesus, we're, we're humbled by Romans 1. So many times in our lives we suppress the truth. We exchange the truth for, for a lie. And Jesus, would you just wake us up? Would you wake our souls to you? The darkness is real. The darkness is, is palatable. Father, I pray for this, this family, this sibling group of of six that are trying to sort out, man, what in the world was dad thinking? That you would comfort them? Jesus, that you would shepherd them? For those that live in that neighborhood, that you would comfort their hearts? God, we're, we're broken before you. But we look to you, Jesus, because we know that you are the only source of life, And we see this kind of wickedness and depravity inside of our own hearts. And we're thankful that it's not based on our worthiness. But it's based on what you, Jesus, did. Your broken body and your shed blood. And as we take communion tonight, we're reminded of your worthiness. But also, Jesus, we hear your voice for us to come follow you. God, tonight, would you call us out of idolatry? Would you show us those things that are idols in our lives? Maybe good things that we've put in an improper place. Blessings that now have our worship. Would you call us out of hopelessness and despair? Or this violence in our hearts that is murder? Lord, would you forgive us sexual sin? Lord, we don't don't want those things anymore. We want you. We want want a move of God. Father, we're we're pleading with you. We we can't solve these things in our own lives. Jesus, but we believe that you can and and we want to follow you. We choose to, to follow you. Jesus, I want to experience more of the abundant life. Lord, we want to experience more of the abundant life. So Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? As we enter into communion tonight, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting an area of your life and you'd like prayer. Come and receive prayer. He's calling you out of darkness, calling you into light. It's so important to respond and to humble ourselves and to pray online you have the same opportunity to do that but but you already know in your heart man god's convicting me of pride he's convicting me of idolatry he he's convicting me of, of sexual sin and hear the heart of jesus where he says go your way and sin no more church i want to bring this to you again brought it up in announcements but do you know what you're for You probably know what you're against. I talk to a lot of Christians that know what they're against right now. And that's good. But that's not the most important part of the equation. What are you for? And are you for Jesus? Are you for Jesus? He's for you. But are you for Him? Do you know the truth and the truth has set you free and going, you know what? I understand that the word of God is life. And Jesus, you're calling me to follow you and I'm gonna follow you. I'm tired of this pathway of destruction. I'm tired of the enemy coming in and killing and stealing and, and destroying. And I want life. I think some of us are desperately crying out for life. Some of us have maybe even got to the point as believers where we've lost hope for abundant life. We don't even think it's possible. We don't really understand what what it means. We kind of think abundant life means happiness and circumstances that all line up with our desires. Jesus had the abundant life and he was crucified. Jesus had the abundant life and he was homeless. And what was that all about? It was fellowship with the Father and loving people. And every day of the week, 24 7 no matter what's happening in our circumstances we can have fellowship with God and we can love others we can feast on the abundant life that Christ would have for us so as the Holy Spirit is, is pricking things in our hearts and our lives let's do business with the Lord at communion let's receive prayer if we need to let's open up to the Lord but man God wants to do a revival he wants to move in our lives he wants to stir us up Stir this church up, stir the body of Christ up as a whole. Wouldn't it be awesome to see the church on fire for Jesus? Just that contagious love for Christ. And that's what God's doing in our midst. I get this picture of here we are over feasting on crumbs, and God's got filet mignon for us. And we're like, but my idols, you know, what am I going to do without my idols? What am I going to do without my sexual sin? well, you're going to do a lot better, right? God's got amazing things, fellowship with him, steps of faith and obedience. We're we're walking in in the spirit of God. So let's respond as the Lord is, is leading us as we come to communion. If you need prayer, we're available to pray. If you'd like to receive Christ, we've talked a lot about the gospel. If you're ready to repent and believe and be saved, man, by all means, just come and let us know, I'd like to receive Christ as my savior. So. Let's enter into communion together.